When darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Come on! I am not a captive to your life I'm not afraid to leave my past behind Oh, I won't be shaken I won't be shaken Oh, my fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance
Fear's gotta go. We stand on your promises. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We're thankful for your love. Yeah. You'll never leave me. You'll never let me down. All right, good morning, Haven Church. How are you? All right, let's stand up. We're going to worship the Lord today, and um, we're going to start off with a, with a old one but a fun one, all right? I'm in a fight, not physical, and I'm in a war, but not with this world. You are the light that's beautiful. I want more. I want all that yours. Joy unspeakable that won't go away, and just enough strength to live for the day, so I never have to worry what tomorrow will bring. Cause my faith is on solid rock. I'm counting on God. I'm counting on, 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 I'm counting on God. I'm in a fight, not physical, and I'm in a war, but not with this world. You are the light that's beautiful. I want more. I want all that's yours. Joy unspeakable that won't go away, and just enough strength to live for the day so I never have to worry what tomorrow will bring cause my faith is on solid rock I'm counting on God I'm counting on 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 I'm counting on God And the miracle of Christ in me Is the mystery that sets me free I'm nothing like I used to be Just open up your eyes, you'll see And the miracle of Christ in me Is the mystery that sets me free I'm nothing like I used to be Just open up your eyes you'll see joy unspeakable that won't go away and just enough strength to live for today so i never have to worry what tomorrow will bring cause my faith is on solid rock i'm counting on god 
just to have a seat real quick and we're gonna um, we have today we're gonna celebrate communion Um, so what we're going to do is um, we're just going to go into communion. We have, uh, before I get started with the other stuff, we got several different options for everyone. Um, and um, one, last time uh, we, we were finally able to bring back regular, like, intention like we used to. Um, and so we've got that as an option. We also have gluten-free for people there. And then we've also got the little, uh, the cups with the wafers that we did through um, through uh, quarantine and everything else. We always want to have, we have a smorgasbord of communion. Um, and um, because we recognize these are diff- interesting and difficult times. But, um, but what we just want to honor God right now. And one of the things that we, we recognize is on the, um, in the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he gathered with his disciples and he um, said to them several things. And we're going to go over here. He said to them, um, he, they, it was part of a Seder meal. Uh, and with that, there's several different things at a Seder meal. There's several different cups. There's um, all kinds of uh, statements and other kinds of things about being redeemed or set, uh, pulled out of, out of uh, Egypt. And so Jesus was following uh, along with everything, but he knew what he was about ready to do. So after the supper was over, he took um, the bread and he gave thanks to God, as many had done in Seder meals for years, saying, Blessed are you, Lord God, creator and sovereign of the universe that gives us uh, grain from the field that we may have bread to eat. And he took it, and he gave thanks to God, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat from this, all of you. This is my body, which is broken for you. Afterwards, and I said there's several different cups, but usually people say when it's at this point of afterwards, at the end, he... Um, Many people believe that it, um, it, it was a cup of redemption. And he took a cup, and once again, he went ahead and he began to pass that around to his disciples. And he said, um, after he gave thanks to God, he said, Blessed are you, Lord God, creator, ruler, sovereign of the universe, that gives us fruit of the vine that we may have wine to drink, or um, in this case, grape juice to drink. And he began to pass that to his disciples. And that was all part of the tradition. But Jesus changed something, and he said, um, Drink from this, 
all of you, this is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now we have 2,000 years of Christianity um, to know what he was doing. But can you imagine being there that first night? He's taking something that had been done for thousands of years and he's completely, he's adding something to it or changing it. And they're going, what is he talking about? Um, and, you have, and we know the rest of the story that's there. Um, so what I think is interesting is that both um, bread and, uh, and juice they, uh, and wine, they don't, they can't, we can't have them unless they press themselves out of what they are. Like we don't sit around and take a little grain and a grape and say, mm, good communion. Um, we don't do that. But each of those things are pressed out in order to meet the needs of many and to become something new. And so, uh, so what I think is really cool is that I have never run out of communion stuff. I don't know if it's because everybody preparing is really awesome, but I've always said that I always believe that there's more that need to be in the body of Christ that aren't here. And so what we want to do, we want to recognize that these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, that um, he, he offered himself as a living sacrifice for us. And we, in turn... Um, are part of that in Christ Jesus. Now, some people say, well, what is, a lot of different denominations have different rules to communion. Under the, uh, the Wesleyan faith, the Methodist faith that I grew up in, um, John Wesley said there are several things. Number one, do you love God? Do you love God? And you need to check out, do you love God? Um, and then you need to say to yourself, is there things in our life? Um, are there certain sins, some things? Sin, and sin's a big church term, right? Anybody grow up um, in, in a doctrine where they just beat you over the head with a 25-pound Bible with your sin? You know, and sin just means missing the mark of what God intended. And if you look around the room, I want you to look at a bunch of sinners because that's what we all are. We all are that way because Scripture tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, all of us, no matter how good we try to be, miss the mark of what God intended. And so recognizing that, Jesus came, and what he does, it's, as I said, it's an old archery term uh, that you would go and shoot, and if you miss the bullseye, they yell hermetia, or the word sin. It means we missed the mark. And what Jesus does, he just kind of changes it midair and plops it back on the bullseye when we seek forgiveness and accept the gift that he has for us um, in his life. And so, Lord, in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice as we proclaim the mystery of faith that Christ has died and Christ has risen and Christ will come again. And so, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts for us. Make them be for, the body and, for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed set apart by his precious blood. The really cool thing in the Seder meal, and some of you have heard this, me say this a lot, but since this, uh, I, I like to do it again, in the part where they actually break the bread, and it would have been more like a matzah, but that's no big deal, they would go ahead and they have a thing called the Afrocomen, and they would slide it into uh, a napkin, or, or this, they actually have this special little napkin that has a pocket in it, and they would go ahead and they'd take a piece of the, this uh, bread and they'd go and they'd say, go hide it. And someone would go hide it. And then they send the youngest person to go find it. I always wonder if John, being the youngest one, had to go find it. Um, I don't know. But what, it, what African men means is, I have come. I have come. And then what many scholars believe is that the cup at that time would have been the cup of redemption. And so what Jesus was telling them is the exact same thing that they were celebrating the Seder meal in the first place, where God had redeemed his people Egypt, uh, from Egypt, brought them out, saved them, even though it was difficult. They ran into the Red Sea and they had the Egyptian army behind them. They didn't have food. They complained. They were really big complainers, weren't they? But in the same thing, Jesus says, hey, God, my father sent me to redeem you, but I'm here, but sometimes you have to look for me a little bit. And so in, in this act of communion, if you aren't quite sure where you are with loving God, repenting your sin, and the third thing is uh, living at peace with one another. That's the hard one, right? 
Um, and that's all, always the hard one because we've got people who, who are difficult, right? <laughs> They're just people in our life. And we may be the difficult person, who knows? But ultimately, I just go to the point that say, hey, God, I, I am sinful. And I recognize that there's some people in my life I am just not going to mess with. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. All right. And, um, and so God, help me. Help me to see them as you see them. Help me to love them as you love them. Help, help. you got to do a miracle because you know this person. You know what I mean? That's what we say. So that's part of what we do in communion. And so um, what we're going to do is, uh, it, for those of you who are receiving this, I'm going to ask the um, servers, and um, you guys are going to play or you want to get afterwards? Okay, afterwards. So come on up, and we'll serve them. And for those uh, who are coming up, they can, uh, there you go. You good? All right, good. Who, who goes first? Yay. All right, here we go. So, Jen, uh, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ given to you. body of our Lord Jesus Christ given to you. The body of our Lord broken and given for you. The body of our Lord broken and given for you. The body of our Lord broken and given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you, Jen. The blood of Christ poured out and shed for you. The blood of Christ poured out for you and for many for forgiveness of sins. The blood of Christ shed for you and for many for forgiveness of sins. The blood of our Lord given for you. Amen. Amen. All right. So for, for those who want to go ahead and, um, and receive, so what we're going to do, we'll have different stations. See, I'm even almost forgetting how to do this. Um, here we go. There you go, Chad. You guys want to go to the other side? All right. You're right there. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine right there. Okay. So what we have is we have two stations of um, of just re regular receiving, and you can go ahead if you want to take communion this way. Um, then we're going to just ask you to come from the back uh, down, and um, that side you can come down and return this way, and you can come down and return this way. If anybody needs gluten or you want the cuffs, um, the cuffs are here. Uh, in case you forgot, they're right here. And there's a little film you pull off of the top and that has the bread and then the grape juice is in there. So that's for you. We just want everybody to be comfortable with this because it's not about how we do it. It's about what happens in the process that Christ meets us in this, in this act. And so um, what I, want, I just want to say is uh, the table of the Lord is open. I also ask that you use this not as a time to, to see people in fellowship. Use that after church. But use this as a time where you're focusing on meeting the presence of Christ in this. Because somehow in this mystery of faith, Jesus meets us in this way. All right? So uh, the table of the Lord's here and... Um, Keith and Adrian are going to be playing. Come. Come as you're led from the back. God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time. No point of reference You spoke to the dark And fleshed out the wonder of life And as you speak A hundred billion gallons 
galaxies are born in the vapor of your breath the planets form if the stars were made to worship so will I I can see your heart in everything you've made every burning star a signal fire of grace if creation sings your praises so will I speak 
All right, isn't it good to have communion again? You know, I'm just saying, and, and the, the other way, so that's awesome. So, um, but as people who receive that, let's just thank God for his indescribable gift, the gift of Jesus Christ, all right? At this time, now that you've done that, stand and say hey to somebody next to you. Say hi to five people around you, and then uh, our kids can head to our Haven Kids.
Good morning. Oh, come on. Good morning. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, uh, there is so much going on here. It's so exciting. I could probably stand up here for 10 minutes, but according to Jack's schedule, I'm minus eight minutes now, so I have to really keep it short today. Um, we do have a lot of things going on. If you will look over here, this doubled. I would guess we're up to at least 80 to 100. Our Sunday school class right now is uh, doing about 50 or 60 more boxes. So we are going to really shout out. And because if any of you are like me, my four are sitting on my kitchen table and I forgot to bring them. Sorry, I'm really bad. The full moon does my brain in. <laughs> so I'm done. Um, so we will extend it one more week. If you have any, please bring them in. Our goal is 300. And we're going to get there. I'm going to have to stay and count them, but we are going to get there. Um, I do want to do some uh, shout-outs, and um, we have a lot of surgeries coming up. Caden has one more surgery, and he's doing good. Um, Hope, knee surgery. We'll see you next week on crutches. Um, and Jen's mom, where are you, Jen? You're here somewhere. There you are. Her mom's going to have gallbladder surgery tomorrow, so hopefully it's uh, in and out. Um, and we want to shout out to uh, Mark's mom. She's been in the hospital. She's going to go to rehab. Going to get her a little bit stronger and better. Um, and Mark has knee surgery coming, but I have to wait till next week to tell you that because it's another week away. And I keep forgetting that. Um, <laughs> and Wes and Emily, stand up. Come on. Today is their 57th wedding anniversary. You can pay me later. <laughs> I'm so excited for them. 57 years. That is amazing. That is amazing. And you still sit beside each other in church. That's. <laughs> but they do have a van, and it's very big. <laughs> um, happy anniversary. You, you are just so deserving. Um, and Scott Arrow. Nanu, nanu, nanu. Somebody told me. Tomorrow's his birthday. Okay, and I know some of you are here and you have birthdays and you don't tell me, shame on you, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a list and start shouting out to you. Um, and I personally want to do a shout out to caregivers because my uh, current job as a caregiver is going to end very soon, hint, hint. Um, but caregivers take on a lot, and uh, there isn't a book that comes with it. And some days it's just darn hard. So I want to reach out to those families that do make decisions for the ones they love when they have to make changes. It's difficult, and I respect them, and I just want to shout out to them. And if you ever have concerns, come talk to me. I have a lot of training, and I would gladly give you some power words to use. And I can say them in church. Um, sorry. Anyway, and Karen Verity. We're praying for her and uh, her daughter, Suzanne Ashdown, and her family. She just lost her dad this week. Karen, we want to give her traveling mercies as she will be going traveling. And where are you traveling to? Dover. Okay. She'll be traveling this week down to be with them. So we want to lift that family in prayer when we lose someone. Let's put our hands on our knees and just give it to God. I see some smiling faces out there. I know this is a hard chore to do, but let's give it to God. When you woke up, put your feet on the floor this morning. There was something on your heart that you needed to give to God. Let him have it. Let him know. Talk to him. Pray for others. Pray for yourself. It's really important we let God know what's on our hearts. 
because he will give us the answers, always. As the song said, he's never changing. He's always there for us. Now I want you to lift your hands to God and receive what he has to give you. Know that he is all-powerful. He is going to take our church members through surgeries this week, and his healing hands will be on them. For those of us who are going through struggles with mental health, ask the Lord to touch your heart, touch your head, keep you sane. Be with those who have lost loved ones, and they're going through the grief and the sadness. Touch their hearts, Lord. Those who are suffering from finances or loss of job or crazy things that are going on in this upside-down world, just put your hands on and heal us and walk us through these things. I pray for these things in Jesus' name, that he may come into our hearts and deliver his graces. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, and be with Pastor Jack while he talks about Sarah today. Oh, not Sarah, my bad. Joseph, my bad. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus pioneer and perfecter of faith, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. say Sarah here. She was just cheating on my notes, but now it doesn't. It's scratched out and says Joseph, so just to let you know. Um, <laughs> hey. um, so, uh, everybody good? All right, awesome. We are uh, continuing our series. Um, we're going to wrap it up this week. On We had four weeks on running with the big dogs. The, the ideology is that um, if we are in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about the hall of faith, these great people that we put in Sunday school books and in stained glass. And then in chapter 12, it starts with this verse right here. And this verse right here says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance 
uh, the race marked out for us. And that's what we've been spending time thinking and thinking that if we're in a stadium and there's a huge crowd around us and we're the players on the field that we are, we're going ahead and we're running a lap and we're running around. We're, do, we're doing this thing called life because um, it, it says run the race that's marked out for us. And sometimes the race is a little bit more laborious. Don't you agree? Other times it seems like it's in the cool breeze and you're just out for a nice little jog in life. And then all of a sudden it gets really, really difficult. And it's just to throw off those things that so easily entangle us. And so if we, we look at that as we're running, we're running this lap, um, running around these laps for life, that we also take a step and say that they're cheering us on. They're kind of like just the crowd, just cheering us on and saying, come on, let's go. They have a different perspective. They have a different perspective. Why? Because they've been through it. Um, they're in heaven. They've, they've gone on to be with us. Not only the ones in the Bible, but those who are, who are believers in Jesus Christ who've gone on with us. They're cheering us on and saying, go ahead, go ahead. And, um, and so what we're doing is taking one of those out of, of the stands, these big dogs, and they're doing a lap with us. And what would they say? All right. So that's kind of where um, we, we've been the last uh, several weeks. Um, I do want to say that, uh, take, please take a look again at uh, all the announcements. There's a lot of them. Uh, I'd encourage you, um, if you have a smartphone right in front of you. There is a, um, the, the uh, guide for our app, um, and that tells everything, because if you're like me, I don't remember. I don't even remember who I'm going to talk about today, so let alone do I remember the other stuff that's going on here, but please go ahead and do that. The 22nd, that's going to be great. It's going to be our, our trunk retreat, and it's going to be a mix of trunks outside, and we want some people to sign up to decorate those and things inside, so it'll be a great, great time. Tell uh, your your friends, neighbors, whatever else, and, um, and we have a great time in that. I think, Ron, you dressed up as a, as a priest last year, didn't you? So it was very good, and it was great because people were going to him thinking he was the pastor. It was awesome. So... Um, <laughs> But that's good. Um, and then the other thing is um, that I want to mention is last week on Tuesday, we started our first uh, Fast Disciple Bible Study Fast Track. Um, but we just handed out books and gave reading. We're going to meet this week um, at 6.30 and starting. And again, it's geared. It's, it's much more broken down as far as time. And we have 12 weeks Old Testament, 12 weeks New Testament. It's not too late to join that. Ron's right here um, if you want to go ahead and connect to that. Um, we'd love to have have even more. It'll be fun. All right. And look at everything else. There's so much other stuff going on. Okay. Um, so again, here we are today and we are uh, finishing up this series. And um, so we, the, the key term in this is that, yes, we have people who are surrounding us and cheering us on, but the the key things that I'm, I'm looking at, if I redid it now, I would probably add another yellow um, highlight there. Uh, the, and the, throw, off ev- throw off everything that, that entangles us. Because I think as I looked more about this, a lot of the things that they've been saying to us, we started with David, remember? We started with him. We went to Rebecca. Um, and then we went to Sarah last week. And Joseph this week. And so one of the things that we look at is they're really helping us deal with things that entangle us in this race that keep us tied up, that make the race weightier, that make the race harder. And so um, I, I really, really like that. And then perseverance, to run with perseverance. And, and that's, that can be difficult at, at several times. So today, our, um, our big dog uh, of the day is Joseph. Anybody ever heard of Joseph? Now, we're not talking about the, the father of, uh, the earthly father of Jesus. We're talking about Joseph from the Old Testament. And here's the thing. Joseph, you find out about Joseph in the book of Genesis, and about half of the book of Genesis is dedicated to Joseph. And there's some 
major people in there. We talked about Abraham, um, Lot. Um, we talked about Sarah and Rebecca and Isaac and, and Jacob. And yet Joseph takes up half of of the book of Genesis. And so if you were raised in Sunday school, um, many of you may have known this, uh, this story of Joseph and his coat of many colors, right? And for many, um, it, the translation, that's how we teach it because a, a coat of many colors, it actually means a richly ornamented coat. So I figured I'd start today by kind of um, kind of uh, saying, actually, there was, a, there was a time where we had an All Saints party, which is, um, anybody do those where you dress up as Bible characters? And we did that at church. And my mom, I looked for the picture, believe it or not, I couldn't find it in the billions of pictures that my mom has, um, uh, of me dressed up as Joseph, and she made me this little rope. But I, there, was, there was two options for this richly ornamented, um, you know, amazing robe. And this is the first one I found. I thought this one was good, you know, <laughs> right? You know? Could have been that one. I mean, I could have, I could have done this one, correct? I, it could have been the Eagles, uh, particularly today. Go, go birds. Um, but then I thought, you know, this one seems a little bit more fitting today. So I want to, you know, I want to put on the, uh, the richly ornamented uh, Phillies uh, shirt that we have. Um, right? There we go. See, doesn't that look better? The Orioles fans are like, uh-uh. No, all right. So, uh, any, any brave chance. All right, so what he did is he had this really nice decorated uh, coat, all right? His daddy gave it to him. He was a daddy's boy, okay? He was a daddy's boy. Uh, we, we talked about uh, his family. His, uh, we could go back to Abraham. Abraham had a son. We talked about that with Sarah, remember that? And she was you know, 90 plus years of old, old, and she named him Isaac because she was laughing. Remember we talked about that? Um, it, he would have been crying if it was, it was me. Um, but named him Isaac, and Isaac ended up having some kids. So Abraham, Isaac, he had Jacob and Esau. Okay, they were twins, and they kind of fought back and forth. And, and uh, Jacob, you will also hear as the name Israel. His name gets changed. And we talked a little bit about name changes when we talked about Sarah, how, you know, they added that, that extra letter, Hebrew letter, which is a reference to God. So when God influences your life, he likes to make a little change. So for, for Jacob, he changed his name to Israel, which means he wrestles with God and man. And, um, and that's exactly what... Um, Jacob did. So we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Jacob had lots of kids, all right, lots of them. But um, his, his wife, um, his, his favorite wife, I know that sounds weird, you read the, read the book of Genesis, but, um, and they were sisters, I know it's a Jerry Springer episode, I get it, but, um, but what, basically what they did is he, he really loved her, and she, she didn't have many kids, so she had Joseph, and then Benjamin, so she'll have them. But at this point, here's Joseph. And so, of his other kids, which they all became the names for the 12 tribes of Israel, except for Joseph's boys are that way, um, are the other tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. But Joseph was the baby of the family. How many of you are babies of the family? Anybody? All right. All right. They're the spoiled people in here, right? Um, but now, how many ever have babies in the family and they're spoiled? How many, how many are not babies in the family and you believe the babies in the family are spoiled? Raise your hands real high. There we go. All right, that's more like it. Well, you would, you would fit in very well with Jacob's brothers here. So Jacob, um, I mean, excuse me, Joseph's brothers. Um, Joseph is the 11th born son to, um, to his father and, um, and he, he got preferential treatment. He, he really did. And so when his brothers were out doing work and laboring and doing that kind of thing, um, 
Joseph got to hang home with mom and dad. And while they're out there sweating and probably wearing hand-me-downs from a long time ago, uh, Joseph has this nice brand new Phillies jersey, all right? That's what he has. He has a brand new ornamented robe, and he's like, yeah. And, and he'd be like, hey, look what daddy gave me. And they're like, that little jerk, you know? Anybody, anybody have any siblings that kind of, you know, if they're here, just kind of like say, you know, give me one of those. But they're just kind of like, how did you get away with all that? You know, I didn't get away with anything. And, and this, is, this is Joseph. And so Joseph wasn't the most quiet and, and humble person. And he, he, so this, this sibling rivalry began to come up. And, um, and so Joseph also began to have dreams from God. But the problem is Joseph told his brothers how they were. And he didn't do it with much tact. So what did he know? He knew that God had spoken to him. And then from there, his life took a completely different turn for 23 years. And so this message today is, is really dedicated to every person who at some point in your life, or maybe even right now, that, um, that life isn't going like you believed it should. Um, and like you or God had planned, that you thought that you or God had planned it. For some, it's, it may even seem like it's going the complete opposite wrong direction. And others, it, you, you may just, this is also for people who just, at times you just feel ready to give up. Um, it may be emotionally and spiritually you're ready to give up. It may be relationally and friendships, marriage and family. Maybe your job. Um, it may be just something physical. Um, but you just had enough and you're tired and you're like, it's never going to work out. So I think what we do today is Joseph's coming down uh, with his nice uh, Phillies jersey and running around the track with us today. He's like, let's go. We're, we're in the National League Championship Series. Let's go. And he's, he's going ahead and he's, he's running a lap with us. And, and we want to hear what Joseph says. And he, he looks good and he comes down and, and he starts to run this lap <coughs> with us. And I think the message is very clear that he would say to us that when life isn't turning out the way you planned, don't give up on your dream. When life isn't turning out the way you planned, don't give up. Don't give up particularly. So I really want to emphasize that don't give up section today. We're not going to, we'll talk a little bit about dream, his dreams, but we're not going to bog down into in dreams and his interpretation of dreams. It was a gift that he had from God. We're going to talk more about the, the keep on keeping on part of it because I, I run into so many people who are just worn out. They're tired and they don't know they don't know what's coming next, and they thought life would be different, and they're just weary in this thing called race, and they're having problem persevering, as we're, we're called to do. And so here's where we are. Um, and so um, bottom line is that eventually, uh, there may be some here today you're doing fine, and you're saying, eh, I don't need this. I mean, my, my race is going really well. Well, I want you to take notes and pay attention today because one day you're going to feel like giving up. And you could say, Jack, can you be more positive? And I'm going to say, yes, I'm positive that one day you will feel like giving up. It's just how life is. And it, it just hits you that way. And there's just those moments in times. And so I, I, I just started looking and I was just checking some things. Um, you know, pastors are really messed up people. Um, they are, and everybody's messed up, but statistics are crazy. I mean, they've done some, some recent studies, and it says more than 90% of pastors in America, um, they did a survey, and one of the things that they said, if 
uh, many, pa- many of those pastors said um, if they could do something else other than what they were doing, they would. In other words, they give up. They quit. Uh, and many said that there's several other reasons for that, but some said they feel stuck. Others said um, that they can't figure any way else to, to, do, to do life. Others said that uh, more than 95% of those that were polled said they don't have a close friend to talk to. Um, it's crazy. By large, by large, in looking at the statistics, pastors are pretty discouraged people. And, um, and I started thinking in 27 years of ministry, the times that I wanted to throw in the towel. And, and um, when you start looking, you're like, wow, that's a bunch of times. Um, and those are just the ones that I remember. Um, and I'm sure you, you did too in your, in your careers and in your life and different facets. There comes those times in everybody's race where we're just worn out and we just, we don't see the joy in life. And there were times here early on uh, in Haven where, um, you know, we, it was a lot of pressure to, to go well because, you know, you go to these, you have these church plant or these church launching things and they give you this, you kind of go to these seminars and you have some things. And about, I can tell you about after week two, I was, all that was a waste. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, and I'm like, okay, here we go. Um, so there was, there was some of that. And, and, you know, every week was like, everybody's a visitor early on, you know what I mean? Cause they haven't got a chance to really see how lovable I am. And, um, and in those kind of things. So, you know, at first it's like, everybody's a visitor. We got to figure this out. We got to um, do, do things really well. And, and a lot of things just weren't perfect. Like, uh, uh, Sometimes the wrong song would pop up. Uh, sometimes uh, before we had the awesome team that we have, the AV team, you would have that, that, that squeal. And nobody cares about the sound people until that squeal goes on. Am I right? They, nobody ever says, oh, wow, the sound's great today. Good job. They always go, what's wrong with those people back there? And that was like a normal because we just had a little thing that we'd run and, and play and then turn and adjust. And, and sometimes things just went dead and didn't work. Um, there'd be hums in it, all kinds of other stuff at times. Um, or like when we were in the middle school and it was heat and then it was cold and it was somewhere in between and it was a very interesting world. Um, and then some days you're just like, I just can't handle this anymore. And, and over the years, just uh, several other reasons, just uh, burnout in myself, just feeling like I'm, I'm exhausted, just dealing with um, you know, you know, people have issues, and I'm glad that we come to church. There's a reason why this is called Haven, to be a safe place where people don't have to put on, but they can come and just connect to God. And, but sometimes, you know, life is messy, and individuals are messy, and, and we, we live in a messy life, and sometimes that gets complicated. And, um, and there's just so many moments in life that some of us just say, I don't think I can go on. I'm done doing this. I can't do this anymore. So I hope this message really speaks to you. So let's go to Genesis chapter 37. That's where we're going to start. And so, um, and then we're going to go to Genesis 37, 5 through 7, and then we're going to jump up to 19 through 20. So we're going to look at the story of Joseph. So Joseph has all these brothers, and Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers, what does it say? They hated him all the more. You know what that tells you? They already hated him. You got that? It wasn't like, and they just, they hated him from that point on. They already hated their little brother. Already? For some of the reasons that we already mentioned. So they hated him. And this dream that he shares was really the the straw that broke the camel's back. And, and here's what, they they were jealous of him in some way. um, But because he had this great relationship with their dad, but he also was annoying. And in several ways. And so he said to them, and ready, here's the dream. Listen to the dream I had. 
So they're, picture this, they're out sweating and working and doing this stuff. And here he comes in his nice little coat that daddy gave him, all clean, nothing under his fingernails. He just walks out. He kind of saunters like, hey, how are you? Hey, guys, I had a dream. And they're like, oh, did you? Great. We're working. And he's like, no, no, you got to hear this dream. So here's what he said. He said, in this dream, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field. And then suddenly my sheaf rose up. You can tell that they're like, mm-hmm. And, and it stood upright. Well, your guys, your guys gathered around mine and bowed down to me. Now, just to let you know, if you have problems, if your siblings don't like you, this is not going to make them endear you anymore. And, and so he, he goes ahead and he says this. Now, Joseph brought a little of his trouble on himself, didn't he, by saying this. And so, it, so what begins to happen, he tells them this and like, yeah, I'm going to bow down. I'm going to bow my foot in your rear end. You know, and you're, you know, that's where they are. They want to deal with him. But dad, he's daddy's favorite. Okay, can't, can't do that. So then he goes home and, you know, they're just grumbling. Can you believe that little sucker told, I'm going to, when he's asleep, I mean, bam, he's going to get it. And, and so they're, they're talking about this. They're aggravated. So then one day he's got his nice little coat on again. And he's like, I'm going to go see the brothers. He's, you know, he's, he's loving life. They're sweating to death. He goes out there and they see him coming. And they say, here comes that dreamer. And they said to each other, come on. Let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns and say a ferocious animal devoured him and then we'll see what comes of his dreams. That means your sibling really hates you. You know what I mean? When they see you coming and say, let's kill him and throw him in a cistern, which is basically a, a hole, a pit, and just say a wild animal got to him. And you know, when a wild animal kills somebody, it's not just like they just lay there like that. He would have been devoured. They wanted to rip him apart. That's how much the hatred is. I want you to feel that here today. So his older brother, decided, the oldest one said, hey, let's not do that. Let's do some other things here. And um, so here's Joseph. Imagine him. He's got this dream from God, which is basically he has a plan from God. And he did hear from God and probably should not have shared it the way he did. But here he is. And then once this happens, his brothers decide to sell him into slavery. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. His brother and brother says, we'll take off his nice little coat. We'll put blood on it. And we'll say it's his blood. And, you know, we'll sell him to slavery. We'll make some money. And then we don't have to worry about killing him. And he'll be gone. It'll all be good. And so that was the plan that they had. But this moment, even though Joseph had this dream from God, life did not turn out the way he thought it would for the next 23 plus years. And that's what we want to talk about. And, and I, I really want to say that Joseph is jumping on the track with us. And he's running around the, the track with us. And he's saying, hey, listen, I know how it gets at times. I know how you feel and what you're going through. I know life is difficult. Particularly when you have a, a vision or a plan from God and yet everything seems opposite. But here's what I want to tell you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. And, and this is serious because this is a dangerous phenomenon. You know, in 2018, they did a study where they, they coined the term psychogenic death. Anybody ever heard of this concept, psychogenic death? And it's, it's, it's really fascinating. It's when people feel defeated in life and basically give up on things. Um, and it was published by Science Direct. And they examined the condition in, which describes people who respond to stress or traumatic stress by developing an extreme apathy, give up hope, relinquish the will to live, and die despite no organic cause. 
Basically, they give up, and within a few, they go through five stages, and within five, with those five stages can be done in as little as three weeks. So somebody can go from complete health to giving up and actually physically die because they give up, because they have no hope. University of Portsmouth researcher John Leach said, it isn't suicide, it isn't linked to depression, but the act of giving up on life and dying, usually within a few, a few days or several days, is a real condition often linked to severe trauma. And, and so it is a dangerous place because we've seen so many people who just want to throw in the towel that life did not turn out the way you wanted it and, and you're just struggling with it and you just say, I'm done. And so what we want to do is Joseph is going to go around the track and Joseph's going to share with us four things about not giving up, all right? And then he's going to give us some parting words and that's where we're going to go. So here we go. The first thing is Joseph would say, don't give up on your dreams even if it didn't start off well. A lot of us have stories of not starting off well. As a matter of fact, one of, the, one of the issues that we have about continuing going on and one of the ways that people give up, particularly when God is calling us to something, is that we have bad resumes in our life. Um, that we can't see the potential God is calling to because of the past that we have. And the interesting thing is God comes along, forgives us, and the scripture tells us he forgets it. And when we bring it back up, we grieve him, and he says, stop doing that. It's like, the, remember the extra sketch things you would go? And, and then when you make it, and when you're done with it, what would you do? Shake it up, and what would happen to it? It disappeared, and that's how God thinks about our sin. But the issue is we have an accuser. His name is the devil, Satan. Hasetona actually means the accuser. And he is known as the accuser of the, the, the saints, God's people. And his job is to nudge us, to uh, put a thought in our mind, to whisper in our ear, and pretty much say, you know who you really are. You know what you've done. To continually remind us of our past. And remember, God forgets that. And, and yet we, we keep having, living it again. Because when we step out for God, he says, hey, remember when you did this? Remember? And we're like, ah, I, maybe I shouldn't do that. And, and, you know, a lot of us give up on the journey and say, you know what? I'm a really messed up person. And I got a lot of baggage. And no way I can step into that role. I've got this track record of history that's constantly a problem. And it reminded me of a story of a man who went into a pet store one time. And he was looking around, minding his own business, looking at the pet store, and there was this talking parrot there. And this parrot said, hey. The man looked around, he said, are you talking to me? The parrot said, yeah, you. Come here. What? Come here. So he comes over. Goes over to the parrot. The man said, what do you want, parrot? And he says, you are the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. The man is just obviously super offended. He's like, what? What in the world? I'm just minding my own business. He calls the owner over and he says, hey, I don't know what's wrong with your parrot. I'm just minding my own business. And he called me over and he told him what he said. Well, the owner, obviously, he said, man, this parrot, I tell you. So he goes over to the parrot and he starts fussing at it. He even smacks him a little bit on the beak, on the beak and says, don't talk to my customers that way. That's wrong. You, you don't do that. You can talk, but not that stuff. So the bird kind of squawks and he tells the man, man says, thank you very much, and he leaves. So he goes, and a few months later, he says, yeah, I'm going to go check out that pet store again, just walk around. He goes ahead, he begins to walk around the pet store, again, minding his own business, and all of a sudden, he walks near, and he hears us, hey, it's the parrot. He said, are you talking to me? He's like, yeah, come here. He's like, you're talking to me? Said, yeah. He said, what? The parrot goes, you know what? <laughs> That's what Satan does. 
constantly. We live life, and we're going along, and we're minding our own business. And he says, and we feel God's calling someone. And he says, hey, you know what? You know who you are. I know, you know what you've done. You know who you are. Rack, and keeps doing it time and time again. And we just need the Holy Spirit to smack him on the beak and, and move on. Satan is trying to derail your potential. He's trying to, to derail the calling that God has on your life. And he's trying to keep you um, and by reminding you of your bad beginnings. The Apostle Paul is one who had a horrible beginnings. He was one who hunted down Christians, who persecuted them, who stood holding the coats, um, or they laid them down at his feet of Stephen, the first recorded martyr that we have, and giving his approval. Kill this sucker. And doing that. And that was going on when he was on his, on his way to the, the road to Damascus. He was going to round up Christians and bring them back and kill them and punish them for, for their apostasy. And in that, in that midst, he, he was blinded by the light. Not a Bruce Springsteen song, but he was blinded by the light. And he saw the Lord and he met with the Lord and he was blinded. But the Lord said, why are you persecuting me? Stop messing with those followers of Jesus because it's not this, this cult. It is something that's real. It is me. And Paul changed, and he gets converted, and he went on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. And what's interesting, if it wasn't for Barnabas, he would have never probably gotten back to the disciples, but it was Barnabas who said, oh, you know what? And along with Ananias, who laid his hands on him, said, God laid his hands on him, and he has been changed. And he brought him back in, and he became one of the greatest instruments of God's, of God's uh, ministry ever ever, ever, ever. And so many times, I guarantee you people tried to remind him of his past. But the thing about Paul said, hey, let me tell you about my past, but look what God is doing now. And that's where we need to be. The Bible is full of people with horrible resumes. And I love it. I love it because maybe God is trying to communicate something to you and me that regardless of your yesterday, you can still do great things for God. And it really doesn't matter your past when God is doing a new thing in you. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, it says, I thank, Jesus, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength that he considered me faithful. And Paul's saying, you know what? I wasn't faithful. I was anything but. I was a murderer. But he saw something in me. He put something in me, saw the potential that I would have when I came to him. And he appointed me to his service. So not only did he, did he see me in a different way as faithful when I wasn't, but he also gave me a calling. Gave me a service to do for him. And even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. He got changed and his resume didn't matter. I mean, how many people would hire the Apostle Paul to be your pastor? That you were uh, put in prison, you were bitten by a snake, you had people that were chasing you down to kill you, they were throwing rocks at you. I mean, that doesn't sound like, oh yeah, let's sign him on to be our pastor. Um, but that's who he was. You can say, hey, I used to kill Christians, and that's definitely going to get you out of there, right? Number two, don't give up even if the closest to you are not supporting you. Even if you get the negative feedback or reaction from people around you. For a lot of us, we get derailed, we get tired, we get exhausted, and it comes because of a rejection story. Uh, often I, I'm, it's a miracle that I stand before you in, in just what I, in my experience in life. Um, I grew up in the church, love the church, but being a PK, you find the good, the bad, the ugly of ministry. And, um, and I'm not looking for, believe me, I'm not looking for a sob story or sympathy, but God is continually doing amazing things in spite of me. 
Because I, my mind works that I continually remind myself of my, my uh, old resume. But God keeps doing something in spite of me. And, and a lot of that, the way I process things, a lot of my life has been one that internally, outwardly very confident in other kinds of things, has been one of, of insecurity and fearing rejection in many ways. And so when you fear rejection, you try to become everything to all people. Um, and I want to tell you something. That is impossible. Because um, if you have five people, if you have five people for dinner, and they're at your house, somebody ain't gonna like what you fix. You know, it's just not gonna happen. I've always said Baskin Robbins had 31 flavors, and somebody wants a 32nd. That's just how life is. And um, and so what I want to say is, you can't make everybody happy. And you just have, the only you have to live for an audience of one, and his name is Jesus. To this day. Um, I, I even I even deal with incur, I even deal with encouragement or pats on the back in very very weird ways. I'm not comfortable with it a lot of times, which is interesting because if you do those five love languages, my love language is words of affirmation. So because how Satan plays on me is constantly reminding me of who I believe I am or who I who my resume says I am, but yet I need that love and affection too. So it's a weird place to be in life. But the truth is, a lot of us get discouraged because of rejection issues. But guess what? Even Jesus had this problem for the people closest to him. Um, there's this one time where he was ministering, and he was doing stuff, and his mother and brother show up. And Jesus is trying to do some stuff, and his, his mother and brothers go, they kind of just say, you know, he means well. I mean, he's, he's good, but yeah, yeah, Jesus, he... He's a little crazy, all right? He's just a little off. But, you know, he means well. And just, just, just go with him. You know, he's harmless. Just, just, just please excuse him. You know, don't let it be a reflection on our family, please. You know, um, and can you imagine hearing that from your own family? Your own family? Um, and in, in Mark 6, um, Jesus is in his hometown. And the people in the hometown go, and look what they say here. They say, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't that Joseph's boy? Isn't that Joe's boy? Joe's and Mary, yeah. Joe and Mary, yeah, around the corner. Yeah, isn't that them? Um, isn't that Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't that his sisters right there? Yeah, they're the ones telling us just to not, not worry about him. And, and the people took offense to Jesus. Why? Because they had a resume how he was built. Oh, he's that carpenter. He's that one. Don't we have a table that was built by him and his dad? You know, I mean, that's where the discussion was going. And this is the one place that uh, you find out that Jesus couldn't do much there because of their unbelief. And so what often Satan wants to do is have us look to our old resume, look to our old, old, old schedules, and, and, and even look to people who know us the best, and th they discourage us and say, yeah, I possibly can't do that. They took offense to him. And Jesus said to them, only in, his, only in his own hometown, among his relatives, and his own house is a prophet with honor, without honor. This is Joseph's experience too, rejection. It's one thing to be hated by those who support you, your family, your friends. And Joseph's story sounds really cool as a hero of faith for Sunday school. But his brothers hate him so much, let, let's put it in modern language, that the human trafficked him. He was sold into slavery by his own family. And, you know, I, I, I thought, that's awful. And then I started looking about modern-day trafficking. Um, family members are involved in nearly half of all child trafficking cases in the world. Parents, brothers, sisters, those who love them, an intimate partner, friends, and many others hand children over 
just like Joseph's brothers did to him. Number three, don't give up on your dream, even if your journey is full of surprises, and it will be. When you get a dream, a vision, or a plan for God, or even your own, you have one for your own life, it rarely goes from point A to point B. Anybody in your life ever said, like, think back to high school and what you were going to do after you graduated, those of you who graduated. Did it go from point A to point B? Or do you have a lot of C's, D's, E's, double Z's, you know, all those kind of things. How many of you, it felt like you were just running all around different places, all right? Like you were doing a dot to dot, all right? That's how many of our lives feel like. And, and it's the same thing here. Let's, I want to do something together real quickly. Um, and it's a, a group activity. I want to give you 11 things of Joseph's life. And I want to read through those first, and then we're going to go back through them, and I'll tell you a reason. So let's look, um, so let's look at the first thing. Um, Joseph was misunderstood by his family. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was living in a strange country far from home. He was given favor in Potiphar's house. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, basically, Potiphar, um, he, put, uh, he was a, an official and he, he was wealthy and he was his slave and he, his servant. And he, he, Potiphar, he was such a good um, worker that Potiphar put him in charge of everything. Um, he was wrongly accused of, about Potiphar's wife. Uh, the scripture tells us that uh, Joseph was really good looking and she liked the looks of him a lot. And he was like, no, no, no. And one time she really wanted him so much, she grabbed hold of his coat and he ran out of it naked. And then she said he tried to attack her and what began to happen? He got thrown into prison, right? But then when he was in prison, he got put in charge of all the prisoners. And then he has a talk with the Pharaoh's cheap cupbearer. The cupbearer was somebody who would taste the, the drink to make sure nobody was poisoning him. And if he, he, was, he was good, he's like, okay, Pharaoh, there you go. And, and he was in there, and Joseph interpreted his dream, and he said, hey, and they were taking him back out to the Pharaoh, and he said, hey, don't forget me. He said, I won't forget you. I won't forget you. And then he remained in prison for two more years because he was forgotten. But then he was remembered because Pharaoh had a dream and the cupbearer's like, I'm so stupid. Joseph, bring him out. And he brings him out and he interprets Pharaoh's dreams. Pharaoh's like, oh, that's awesome. And then Pharaoh puts him eventually in second command of everything in Egypt. That's a life. That's not point A to point B. Let's go back to the original slide, all right? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to, you got you to participate. I want you, if you were Joseph and going through that, I want you to say, give up if you felt like giving up or go on. Everybody, let's practice it. Give up. Oh, we got to do much better than that. Ready? One, two, three. And the rope, ready? One, two, three. There you go. All right. So here we go. Misunderstood by his family. Give up. Okay, we'll get there. Sold into slavery by his brothers. Yeah, wouldn't you want to give up if you were sold into human trafficking? All right. Um, you get it now? Okay. All right, let's try this again. Sold into slavery by his brothers. All right, there we go. All right. Um, living in a strange country far from home. There you go. Um, given favor in Potiphar's house. Go on. There we go. Wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife. Thrown into prison. Put in charge of the prison. Forgotten by the chief cupbearer. Remained in prison for two years. Interpreted Pharaoh's dream. Put in charge of second in command. There you go. See, there's, there's a mix of all those in life. And you guys are like, really? What do we do there? Um, and it, we got to decide. Joseph had to decide in those moments whether he was going to give up or go on. Many of you have dealt with things. You've dealt with loss. You've dealt with hurt. You've dealt with just frustration. And you, you, we make those decisions all the time in this journey. I just want to give up. 
said, go on. And Joseph's running around the track saying, go on, keep going, keep going. I wanted to give up. I'm sure he wanted to give up. And, you know, I looked at this. Joseph's life had twice as many give up moments than he had go on moments. He would have never gotten to the point of blessing that God had for him, which blessed everybody else, if he hadn't kept pushing through and going on during the give up times. So what are you going to do in the give up moments? Do you give up or do you go on? Romans 8 tells us this. And we know, and we know, sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we think we know, but sometimes it doesn't seem like it. The truth is, sometimes we say, I don't know if I'm even sure of this anymore. I want to go on, but I don't, I'm not, I, I read this, and I, know, and I know it, but I don't feel it at times. But it says, and we know that in how many things? All things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And sometimes it just doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that way. And, but we have been, all of us have been called to God's purpose who love him. Number four, don't give up on your dream, even if it's taking a long time to realize it. Joseph was in prison for several years. In 23 years, he went from 17 to 40. That's the difference in age. Sold into slavery at 17 and then 40 years old. That's a chunk of time. He's now in Pharaoh's court. He's second in command of Egypt. He interprets Pharaoh's dreams, prophesied and, and said that, and got a, interpreted that there was going to be a seven-year famine and that they should store grain. And when they stored it, they were going to make a, a pile of money for Egypt because all the nations were going to come and get some from him. And it just happened, as he said, and we say, well, that's easy. That's the fun part of the story. But what about the middle? What about when you're sitting bleeding and you're naked from, because they took your coat from your brothers in the bottom of a cistern waiting to be human trafficked? What about when you're in that caravan heading to a place you have no clue and you're going to be sold to, to somebody that you didn't have a clue about? When you're, when you're cleaning the slop from a prisoner that you've been put in charge of? When you're forgotten, where is that? And Habakkuk tells us what we need to do. It says, these things I plan won't happen right away. And that is not a fun verse. That's not everybody's favorite verse. I love Habakkuk. You know, two, three. I, it's not something people are going to tattoo on their body and say, yay, I get to wait. These things I plan won't happen right away. And three words that are very painful. Slowly, steadily, and surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. God's vision is always fulfilled. Our time, it doesn't seem to work. And, and, and Habakkuk even says, if it seems slow, God does seem slow to me because he's not on my timetable. But if, if it seems slow, don't despair for these things will come to pass. And here you go. Just be patient. Persevere. Keep going. Keep going. All right. God wants to do more in us. All right, so there's the four things that he tells us. And really quickly, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're making that last lap. And so he's going to give us these big dog words of encouragement as we're going around. All right? And Joseph says this to me and you. He says, if I can tell you another thing, so hold on to those four. But if I can tell you something else, as you're continuing going on, develop yourself in the down times. When you suffer injustice, hardship, or you're, you're complaining that, don't complaining, it doesn't do any good. When people knock you down, the best thing you can do is allow that situation to make you better. 
Each time he found himself in trouble, he didn't get angry or frustrated with God. He tried to learn something. And you realize Joseph's, Joseph's character changes immensely from, hey, guys, let me tell you about my dream. Y'all bow down to where we see him toward the end when he comes in contact with him. We all go through difficult things, and God uses every one of those to help us grow and develop our character. I don't like it either, but he does. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, So be truly glad. There's a wonderful joy ahead. That sounds good, doesn't it? Be glad because there's a wonderful joy ahead. But even though, even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and, and, and purifies gold. And what they would do is they'd apply heat and it would cook out the impurities and they have pure gold. And he says, though your faith is far more, it's far better, far more worthy, precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through the many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. That means when Jesus returns and is here, he says, ah, oh, that what you went through. Yeah, way to go, Jack. High five. Way to go. High five in your chat. You, you're the man. Way to go. Oh, yeah, that's how we do it. That's how we do it. Come on in. Because that's the joy that's waiting ahead of us. Joseph didn't see second in command of Egypt when he's being human trafficked. He didn't see that at all. So we need to develop ourselves. Last week we mentioned James chapter 1 about perseverance. I'm not going to talk about it today, but you can see that. Number two that he's telling us. Hey, so Jack, develop yourself when you're in downtimes. But number two, when the dream is God's God-given, the fulfillment is worth the wait. If we approach the dream as a pipe dream that it's never going to happen, it's easy to give up. But after all those years, he's now second in command. And I bet you over those years, maybe if, if I, I'm going I'm to be Joseph right now. If I'm in jail, I'm saying, if I get out of here and see those brothers of mine, oh, yeah, they're going to get some. Oh, I'm going to get. And then, you know, when you got into Pharaoh's house, he's probably like, I would have been like, mm -hmm. maybe I should just send somebody to go get them. And you know what happened? It was pretty amazing. <laughs> They needed grain. So they came. Now, I will tell you, look at the rest of the story, because Joseph does have some fun playing with them. He really does. And, and he, but a lot less fun than I would have had. Um, but, he, but he has them and calls them in, and he has an opportunity, because they come to buy grain, he has an opportunity to, to pay them back. With one word, he could have had them killed. One word. One word. But he didn't. Yes, he played a little bit, but... So often we get distracted and derailed by revenge. And that's not what we do. We got to recognize, we got to keep the, the he, he, I'm, I'm sure he had struggles at times to say, God, I can't see this dream fulfilled. I can't, I can't see it at all. But he recognized one thing when his brother stood before him, that dream was realized and he said, it's not about revenge, it's about reconciliation. It's about reconciliation. And after 23 years, he finally told them who he was, and their first reaction was, don't kill us. Don't kill us. And look at what he says here in Genesis chapter 50. You intended to harm me, but God. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Does that tell you a little bit about the character development that God was doing in the downtime of Joseph's life. 
I think it's, it's amazing. You know, God had this plan to save his family and the world through his struggles. And God has in mind for us to do so much more than we can ever imagine. He is the giver of every perfect gift and he fulfills every dream he places in us. Number three, our last one, here we go. Every dream has, as he's getting ready to go back in the stands, he says, every dream has tough times. But remember this, Jack. Remember this, everybody. God is always with you. Why do we need to remember that? I mean, because I may not always feel like God is with me. I need to trust that. I need to receive that he's with you and he's here right now. In Psalm 139, it's a great verse. It says, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. We got that, right? We go to heaven. We're going to be with God. When I go to the heavens, you're there. But if I make my bed in the depths, in the darkest, deepest place, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me. Now, before we pack up real quick, I'm going to go through a couple quick verses just to show you how important it is. I'm not even going to talk about it. Just a couple quick verses throughout the scripture that conveys exactly what he's saying to us, all right? And just let God speak to you. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever present in help in times of trouble. Isaiah 43, 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Jeremiah 1, 8, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 1, 19 says, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you. Why? For I am with you and I will rescue you. You think God wants to tell you something today? That no matter what you're going through, don't give up because he's with you. No matter where you are, no matter how far you remove, no matter if you're high, you're low, you're in, you're out, you're up, you're down, whatever you're doing, the hokey pokey, he is with you. Always. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. And he says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. And then he says this last thing. And surely I am with you always. As Joseph goes back into the stands, looking really cool in his coat, he said, don't give up. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. It may seem dark. It may be a, a situation that you never thought your life could be. You had a promise from God in a dream, and you, you thought it was going to be revealed. And it will. Just don't give up. He doesn't care about your past. He's doing a new thing in you and in your life. Don't let anybody tell you you can't be who God called you to be. Just keep your eyes fixed on him, and don't ever give up because he is with you always. Amen. Amen? All right, let's stand and let's pray. Just to allow the Holy Spirit to encourage you today, right where you are. And whatever you're going through, whatever situation you may be experiencing, just open, you know, just like Joanna has done leading us, just where you are. If you need them down by your sides or wherever, just kind of open your hands and say, God, I just want to receive what you have for me. 
even though that dream, like so I, I believe right now somebody's being reminded of a dream that God gave you, a, a vision, a plan for your life that it seemed anything but fulfilled at this moment. And you feel like you just cashed it in and say, hey, it's not worth it because it's not gonna happen. But God said, no, no, no. My word does not return void. And I know you're going through some stuff, but don't be afraid because I am with you. I'm right here with you. And I'm gonna bring it to accomplishment, but you just gotta keep on keeping on. So Lord, just let us have that encouragement from, from Joseph and break the stronghold of the enemy the spirit of fear. I pray that your presence will be so strong and so real in this moment, right here, right now, that God, we just wanna give you a go on attitude. That we won't give up even though we may feel like it. We're not gonna give up. We're gonna keep on going. And Father, we rebuke the lies of Satan and the distractions of the naysayers and all those other distractions from your God-given dreams. And we bind them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. That we're going to run our race with perseverance until you call us to finish that race. And then we can join the great cloud of witnesses. God bless every person. I pray powerfully right now in this moment, as our eyes are closed and our heads bowed, that God, that some of us might be saying, well, Jack, you know, God's not with me because I'm pretty far from God. But hear that verse in 139 that no matter where you are, he's there with you and he's just waiting for you to reach out. So God, whether it's for the first time ever that we just say, okay, I'm reaching out. And they give their life to you and say, I need you. And Lord, just receive that and, and give them all the blessings and all heaven will throw a party and just let them know that you're there with them. For someone who's struggling right now with, with relationship issues and struggles and, never, and didn't see it happening, and just, just blown away. God, you'll say, hey, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. And I'll heal you. I'll rescue you. For those of us who may be on this, this path of life that things are going good right now, let's just stay with you because we know that the enemy wants to take us out and remind us of something. So God, during this time right now, we ask for your spirit to just fall and we just just hold on to those words that these big big dogs of faith have given us the last few weeks. As we worship you and we've had communion today, we just give you praise for who you are. You're a mighty God. As there are people here to pray at the front and the back with others, I just may need somebody to run around. Somebody else who's in the race, that they just need somebody to, to run this race with and to just bear with them and help them in this moment. That, let your words be, be to them and the you find them here today, front and the back. And God, for those who give of your tithe and offerings, we give you thanks. And for the visitors that are here, we do not expect it all for you to give. We want you to just receive from God what he is bringing. And that God, you will just use these ministries to further your ministry here in the world. In the world, we pray for our, our sister churches in Haiti. Haiti's in a mess with so many, so many struggles that God you will be with them and rescue them and, and heal them and keep them safe. We love you, Lord, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I come. I come. 
without you I fall apart You're the one that guides my heart Lord, I need you Oh, I need you Every hour I need you One, defend my righteousness Oh, God, how I need you sin runs deep Grace is more, grace is found, is where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Lord, I need you. Oh, I song to rise to you when temptation comes my way when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay Lord I need you Awesome. Did you see all the boxes the kids brought in? Isn't that awesome? All right, remember, we got one more week for that. You can also do it online if you want to. You can go ahead and pay for them online and, and they'll pack a box. But, um, guys, this life is difficult. Jesus promised us that. But persevere. Don't give up. Keep on going. Keep on going. And the vision that God has for your life, it's not dead. It just needs more perseverance and just to recognize he's right there. Amen? Have a good week. God bless.